Hi friends, I'm Tierney. I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Drunk. kind of a different episode first of all we're coming to you on not a thursday second of all we're not telling the story today no we are not who do we have standing in tierney my boyfriend (laughs) his name is adam i tricked somebody into dating me (laughs) haha suck it mom (laughs) this was a trick the whole time yeah i i Why'd you say suck it, mom? Your mom always believed that you would trick somebody into dating (laughs) you. (laughs) She always knew it would be a trick, you're right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys very much for having me on, and thank you for dating me, Tierney. Oh, see, he likes me. I don't know why. I like you a whole lot. But I appreciate you guys having me on. I really wanted to share this story with somebody. But before we get into that, what we want to do, like cold open? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Why don't you tell us what we're drinking? Oh, right. Um, So the episode today involves an Elvis impersonator. That's amazing. (laughs) Okay. So before we get into the drink, I do want to talk about the story a little bit. So I I listen to podcasts and all that, and it's a true crime podcast, but not all crime has to be murders. That's lame. (laughs) Thank you. I like murder. I know you do. I had read the story in a GQ article a while ago by a guy named Wells Tower. And what it was the most name? awesome name, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was the craziest story I'd ever read. I was at my barber shop and I was waiting for, to get my hair cut. And I was reading the story and I, it was my turn in the chair. And my barber says, Adam, your turn. Come on up. I said, I have to finish this story. I can't, I can't <laughs> let, let the other guy go. Let the other guy go. I, I have to finish. It was the craziest story I'd ever heard. But like I said, it involves an Elvis impersonator. So the drink tonight is an Elvis shot. Nice and simple. Two parts peanut butter whiskey, one part banana rum. Just, you know, snarf that down. <laughs> Knock it back. I was wondering if the Elvis shot would be his favorite sandwich in a shot form. Oh, yeah. It's, it's what it was. That so, sounds delicious, though. It does yeah. sound really good, right? Drink up, dead drunkies. Yeah. Drink up, dead drunkies is right. All right. So it is about a man named Kevin Curtis who lives in Tupelo, Mississippi, and it's about his feud with his arch enemy. So here we go. Tupelo. Tupelo. Kevin Curtis lived in Tupelo, Mississippi, with his dog, Moo Cow. On Wednesday, April 17th, he and his dog left their home to go to his ex-wife, Laura's house for dinner. However, something was a little off. Kevin was sure someone was watching him. As he's checking his mailbox, a whole fleet of vehicles swarm him and Moo Cow. FBI, Homeland Security, cops, Secret Service officers pour out of cars armed to the teeth. Poor Moo Cow. Spoiler alert, Moo Cow's fine at the end of the story. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. They ordered Kevin to get on the ground as a confused Kevin explained that he has a dog and he has to put her inside. They scream for him to drop Moo Cow or they'll shoot. As they cuffed him, an understandably spooked Moo Cow snarled, jumped, and hauled ass down the street. Oh, yeah. 
We're now, getting out of there. I have a lot of quotes in here, and it's in Tupelo, Mississippi, so I hope you don't mind if I do accents. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, please. My dog, what about Moo Cow? Oh, my God. Kevin yells. <laughs> your dog will be fine, a smirking officer replied. Sir, can you take off your sunglasses so I can see your eyes? Kevin asked the officer. I want to see your eyes when you tell me she'll be fine because I don't think you give a damn about Moo Cow. Oh, my God. Curtis was then shoved into a van bound for the Lafayette County Jail where he was held on suspicion of sending letters tainted with ricin to a local judge, a Mississippi senator, and President Barack Obama. What the hell? (laughs) How come the officer didn't have the accent? Because law enforcement officers don't ever have the accent of the area. (laughs) Don't you know anything about acting? Son of a bitch, the cracks are showing in my story. (laughs) Now you know it's fake. But let's back up on the story. I mean, who would name their dog Moo Cow? I'll tell you what Kevin Curtis does. (laughs) All right. Early in life, Kevin Curtis was known as a child prodigy on the Elvis impersonation circuit, which is... I'm sorry. ...apparently a thing. (laughs) So there are children that impersonate Elvis? Yeah, and he was a prodigy at it. Holy shit. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You imagine like a little... It's like Dance Moms, but like the worst level of it. (laughs) I love Dance Moms. Shout out Chloe. Okay. His mother, Eloise, drove him to Memphis to have an Elvis suit made by Elvis's official suit maker and took out a bank loan to cover the $3,825 bill. I didn't know that this kind of culture existed. Mom, if you're listening, why don't you support me like Eloise Curtis? kidding mom i love you support my dreams i want an elvis suit too eloise stated that she met the king after a performance at the louisiana hayride in 1954 and elvis would call her up to pray with her over the phone decades later they remained friends years after this okay and would pray over the phone yeah i'm sure goals (laughs) elvis to call me and lead me in prayer in his teenage years, Kevin married a girl that he agreed to wed after a motorcycle accident, quote, ripped her face off. Kevin was driving. There's well, got to be more details into that. So he was driving, her face got ripped off, and he felt guilty, so he married her. That's what I'm gathering. That's, he, he should. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> they later divorced, and Kevin lived in Chicago, where he lived in his car and ate from a garbage can. It was a really dark time in his life. I think Elvis impersonators usually go through dark times sometime in their life. Fair. (laughs) In his late 20s, he turned things around, however. Kevin was leading a prosperous life in Tupelo with his children and his new wife, Laura. He owned his own cleaning company where he also worked as a janitor. However, his Elvis impersonating career was just as fruitful. He was a frequent guest on a local morning TV show, and him and his brother Jack paired up to form Double Trouble, the, quote, first fraternal Elvis act the world has seen. Like twin Elvises? <laughs> yeah, they just keep doing rounds. <laughs> you ain't nothing but a, you ain't nothing but a, you ain't <laughs> Just that. In 1998, Kevin and his cleaning crew took a lucrative contract cleaning the floors at the North Mississippi Medical Center. It was a big contract, but on December 17th, 1999, something happened that would change Kevin Curtis's life forever. Bum, bum, bum. While cleaning out a clogged blood sump, 
What? While cleaning out a clogged <laughs> blood sump. Yeah, I, just I don't it. know what that is. <laughs> it's, it's basically a drain in the hospital morgue. That was the rest of that sentence. A blood sump. While a blood sump? Sump. Like a sump S-U-M-P. pump. Yes. Like a sump pump. What is a sump? Uh, okay. So when you go into the bathroom and you take a shit, oh my God. <laughs> you flush it and it goes down usually into a sump pump. Don't, don't finish that sentence, Ernie. <laughs> in the morgue. Chipotle is your life. Yeah, you do. In the morgue, <laughs> when they clean out, I'm guessing the guts and everything in the morgue, it goes down into a blood sump pump. So what is a sump? It is a. It's a drain. It sounds drain. like a drain. It's a drain. So it was like clogged or something? It's a suctionized drain, yes. And it was, was clogged. That, there was like blood clot in there? Yes. <laughs> While cleaning out a clogged blood sump in the hospital morgue, Kevin found himself getting exhausted and was in dire need of a drink, specifically Dr. Pepper. He found a nearby fridge and checked to see if the doctor was in. In other words, he was looking for a Dr. Pepper. He in didn't want to drink the Elvis shot? I don't know why. It's fucking delicious. Yeah, he should be doing that. The first thing I saw was an arm wrapped. Uh, I'm not going to do the accent the whole fucking time. Okay, well, you, you started with the accent. You have to. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, please don't actually. Okay, I won't actually. <laughs> the first thing I saw was an arm wrapped in plastic with a barcode and a leg wrapped in plastic. The whole bottom portion of the refrigerator was legs, arms, feet, hands, and eyes, and a brain. What? In the upper compartment, Kevin says, was a severed head of a man he had seen alive in the ER a couple nights before. The next day, Kevin Curtis claimed that he was called into the CEO's office and presented with documents stating that he was in an area he wasn't authorized to be in and would be suspended without pay. After he refused to sign the document, he states that he was shackled by security and thrown out of the hospital, banned for life. This guy can't catch a break, can he? There's a lot more story. Oh, All he wanted was a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. And he found like a horrifying based on the e- bodies. Based, no, it's okay. <laughs> based on the evidence, the conclusion Curtis jumped to was this. It was a black market organ harvesting. I mean, barcodes and stuff. You think yeah. people are like, oh, you need a right arm? Boop. Do you have your rewards card? Do you have your black market rewards card with you? (laughs) That's okay. We can look it up by your phone number. (laughs) Kevin Curtis became obsessed with his theory regarding what was going on at the hospital. It caused him to be fired from several jobs. He ranted and raved to audiences about what he had seen while performing at the Tupelo Elvis Festival. Apparently a thing. Um, question. Sure. Can we go... You want to go to Tupelo, Mississippi? You're damn right I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd be into that. All right, let. All right. Understandably mortifying his brother while they were on stage because he was on stage and his brother's going, you got one for the money, two for the money. He goes, they're selling organs. (laughs) 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 They get up there as Elvis's and he's like, you know, I just can't continue. Did you know? (laughs) Guys, Guys, I can't sing Blue Suede Shoes one more time. This obsession eventually led to a handful of run-ins with local law, including cyber-stalking, public intoxications, and assault. In total, 22 arrests in 13 years. Oh, man. In his defense, according to him, I was scared what could happen. His car exploded and his house burned down. (laughs) 
both of which he believed to be the work of hospital executives. This eventually led to his then-wife, Laura, and their kids moving out. According to Laura, all he talked about were the body parts in the hospital and the conspiracy. He never laughed anymore. So it consumed him. Oh my gosh, this poor guy opened a fridge looking for a Dr. Pepper and was the rest of yeah. his life was ruined because of it. Without work, Kevin turned to exposing this conspiracy full time. His main soapbox, the internet. Okay. He prompted theories on MySpace, <laughs> littered it was Sorry. <laughs> it's just it's the Yo, internet. No MySpace, is you <laughs> idiots. Get the it? internet was like a breeding ground for conspiracy theories yeah. and he started at MySpace. Yeah. He prompted theories on MySpace, littered the internet with claims regarding the Tupelo Hospital, signing all of his posts with, I am KC and I approve this message. Very, very professional. He wrote a novel called Missing Pieces and a screenplay about the theory. No one published the book or made these projects, unfortunately. I really want to read him Missing Pieces. No. When people suggested he quit, his all-too-common response was, they ruined, oh, this is accent worthy. Okay. They ruined my career, burned down my home, killed my dogs, my cat, my rabbit, blew up my car, destroyed my marriage, had me arrested 22 times, and you want me to quit? I will keep on fighting until Jesus Christ decides it's time for me to go. Whoa. Jesus Christ, superstar. Yeah, right? <laughs> Here's where it picks up a little steam. In 2006, Kevin Curtis was introduced to a man named Everett Dusky, who ran an independent newspaper that had since been defunct. However, Kevin remembers seeing a copy of it that had, I will print any story in Northeast Mississippi, no matter how big or small or controversial. If the Daily Journal will not tell your story, I will. So this was Dusky's thing. He's marketing to... The exact type of market. Yes. <laughs> he knows his audience. Yeah. But it would be important to learn a little bit about this Dusky guy. Okay. Everett Dusky was Tupelo's, quote, man of mystery, an out-of-towner who had several different vocations, including insurance salesman, Mensa member, Rubik's Cube master, rock and roll singer, broadcaster, taekwondo instructor, and political hopeful. Despite his jack-of-all tradesmanship, Locals described him as, these are all quotes, an idiot, a crusader, a psycho, arrogant, a genius, and a douche. <laughs> he was born in Louisville, or Louisville. Louisville. In Louisville. In 1971. He spent his early years in Texas. When he was 17 years old, his brother committed suicide. Aww. His father, Lennis Dusky, told the Washington Post, that was probably the event that caused him to learn how to hate. At the time of the events outlined here, Everett Dusky was working at an insurance agency along with Kevin's ex-wife, Laura. Oh, so that's interesting. According to Laura Curtis, the other agents disliked Dusky. Quote, they would call him an idiot. They would call him stupid, which he wasn't. He flashed his Mensa card compulsively, which irritated people understood mm-hmm. just so you guys know i'm a genius <laughs> here's my card hey have you heard i'm a mensa oh, member so as a result dusky would flirt with laura often a claim that he has since denied i'm gonna go with laura on this one yeah it's rough uh, guys are the worst fucking men right i know right <laughs> 
Fucking Mensa men. Am I right? <laughs> Mensa men. <laughs> Hashtag Mensa. Mensa. Yeah, yes. Men suck. Zing. What's the story? I will, be, I will be honest. I was a fan of all of that. <laughs> Laura met Everett at a tough time in her life. She was fresh off her divorce with Kevin. She liked Dusky and was glad to have him as a friend. He was nice to me, and no one is ever nice to me, but we didn't have an affair. I would tell you if I had an affair with him, and I did not, and I thought about it. When asked about why she didn't, she explained it was because, quote, he's short. He's short and hairy. Oh, <laughs> oh no. However, Laura stated that she believed Kevin and Everett could have been friends based on their mutual love of music. Obviously, Kevin's Elvis stuff. And Dusky had tried to make a name for himself as a blues act called Dusty and the Robodrum because, of course, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that would be where the douche comment comes from, I imagine. Oh, it gets a little worse. <laughs> Good. This did not go over well in the Tupelo music scene. You know, the thriving <laughs> yeah, Tupelo music say. scene. <laughs> they were self-labeled as progressive guitar funktronica for smart people. What the fuck does any of that mean? That What's funktronica? Like the, the Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. <laughs> <laughs> funktronica would be daft punk, but for like, but again, for smart people. So it's like, if you like Daft Punk, but have an IQ over 181 or whatever the highest. If you like Daft Punk and NPR, <laughs> we have the music act for you. <laughs> you know that sound you were looking for? Listen to this. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this, this Funktronica for Smart People stuff really rubbed folks the wrong way. Their band as a whole really did. Their song, Too Young appears to be about a man in love with a girl below the age of consent. Sample lyrics include, You were too young. I should have known better. It's just that baby face of yours. One look in your eyes, and I'm on fire. What the I'm hell? Sorry. Can you sing it for us instead? Do you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have the YouTube video. Oh, here. my God. And I know what you're thinking. That y You're thinking that it wouldn't be good. And you'd be right. It's not good <laughs> at all. <laughs> you were too young, I should have known better. It's just that baby face of yours. One look in your eyes and I'm on fire. And baby, now this world is yours. Okay, but Lolita-esque lyrics aside, their love of music would obviously not lead to a friendship at all. In fact, they became sworn enemies. Oh, gosh. <laughs> all right. Kevin sent Everett emails and voicemails about his story, but never heard back. At a firm-wide luncheon, Kevin crashed the meeting to confront Dusky and ask him why he hasn't printed his story. Everett explained that he was running for state legislature and to print anything against the hospital or about the hospital in Tupelo would ruin his campaign. As you may have guessed, this angered Curtis and he claimed Dusky was a liar. 
According to Laura, this shook Dusky as he was seen shaking and sweating. He turned to Laura and said, I never want to see that man again. Oh, my gosh. It it really got him. Shortly after their confrontation, Dusky began his political campaign for State House District 16 against Democratic incumbent Steve Holland. This guy is a fucking quote machine. (laughs) Steve Holland. Dusky's strategy was less than civil. He compared Holland to Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard and claimed Holland was friends with the 9-11 hijackers. <laughs> oh my god. And they just went full force after this guy. For Holland, I have to do the accent. I yeah. have to do it. He was he was compared to Boss Hogg. Boss Hogg. Alright. I just I might be just a normal southern gentleman. But no, that's not what he says. Here's the quote. I had never stood eyeball to eyeball or dick to dick with the man. But for some reason, he just hated the hell out of me. He called me everything from gay to communist. Everything but a child of God. I mean, he had no campaign agenda except to cut my nuts out. You got to get your ass up early and go to bed late to beat my ass. I've held this seat for 30 years. I can absolutely make love to a bull moose on the steps of the Lee County Courthouse and garner more than 5% votes. Oh, my God. That's I would pay to see that. That's amazing. Also, so he, he really didn't present any argument of, like, his platform, like Dusky didn't say no, his anything. His whole platform was this guy loves the 9-11 hijackers. That was it? And that he's gay it's and like, that he's a communist. That's what trolls do. Yes. Trolls. Co- he was a trolling Howland. He had been described as short and hairy. Okay, so he <laughs> b- belongs under he's a, a bridge. troll. But in internet terms, yeah. that's what he's doing. He's just going after him like, oh, you know what? You suck. You, you like this Holland quote. We're not done with this guy. <laughs> He'll, yeah, he's got some more quotes in there. Good, I'm excited. That, that was great. However, as expected, Holland drubbed Dusky in the polls by 39% of the votes. All right, good. This was when the Dusky-Curtis rivalry picked up steam. Specifically, again, over the internet. Both claimed the other was stalking them online. The claims against Curtis were a bit more troubling, I'll, I'll be honest. They included photos taken from Dusky and his wife's Facebook pages and a video of Dusky's stepdaughter bathing the family pet. Oh, that's weird. It is weird. What was she wearing? (laughs) Probably like clothes she doesn't care about if she's bathing a Stuff that inspired lyrics for Dusty and the (laughs) RoboDrum. Ew. Oh, oh, I I feel bad saying that one. (laughs) Wait, is that Dusky... Wait, so Dusky's taking these pictures? No, or? no. C- Curtis is taking these pictures and videos. Oh, of okay. Dusky's That's what I thought. Family. Okay. In response to that, Curtis claims Dusky was stalking his MySpace. Which, sidebar. So we were just making fun of him for using MySpace. Mm-hmm. But this is clearly a universe where Facebook is up and running. <laughs> Because that's but, but where Mississippi he, is still using MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> specifically Tupelo is still really active on the MySpace. Tupelo is really into MySpace. All right. So Dusky was stalking his MySpace to test the, his theory. Curtis posted a fake Mensa certificate with his name on it. Oh. <laughs> Within hours, 
Curtis received this email. May 4th at 8.05 p.m. Kevin, I have put up with your lies silently for a long time, but this one I cannot abide. I am an officer of Mensa. Sidebar. According to Mensa, he was a member, but not an officer. Okay, that sounds right. Which is the nerdiest diss ever. Yeah. Um, actually, <laughs> he was a member, not an officer. I also love that he... He did that. He made a fake Mensa card. It reminded me of that like, is, you remember Andy in the office, how he would be like, oh yeah, I went to Cornell. I'm a Cornell. And I think Jim or Dwight, or Dwight, Dwight. is like, yeah, I'm a Cornell man. He like wears a Cornell sweatshirt and pisses him off. My favorite quote from that one is when they're arguing and Creed goes, it's pronounced Colonel. It's the highest rank in the military. <laughs> it's pronounced Cornell. <laughs> Which also Colonel, not totally sure. Pretty sure it's not the highest rank in the military. No, I'm pretty sure everything that Creed says is incorrect. Yeah. So number one, love Creed. Me too. Yeah. Number two, you're such an Andy. I am Andy. You did Andy <laughs> perfectly. That was yeah. a perfect. We were, we were talking about this on the ride here. Yeah. It was like, what fictional character yeah. you would re- be like most like? And I'm like, mm. I'd love to say I'm Jim, but I'm Andy. Mm. I'm Andy. Okay. So the letter was, Kevin, I put up with your lies silently for a long time. But this one I cannot abide. I'm an officer of in Mensa. Kevin, of this, I am certain you are aware. What you are not aware of is that we keep very good records of who is and who is not a Mensa member. There's one person named Kevin Curtis from New York and one named Paul Curtis from Kentucky. I know you are n- not either of them, which a real Mensa member would know. <laughs> it's neither. <laughs> Idiot. I am giving you one day to remove your fraudulent claim from your website. By the way, Kevin, you cannot, would like to say that I don't approve of the language used in this. I'm reading a letter. By the way, Kevin, you cannot be both genius and retarded at the same time. Your claim of being a gigging musician is one thing. Claiming to be playing at a Montgomery theater when D.L. Hewley was there and claiming to be on tour with Carrie Underwood are harmless lies that everyone simply laughs at you for. Tour with Carrie Underwood. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Of all people to be like, yeah, I'm on tour with this person. You're like, Carrie Underwood. (laughs) Haven't you heard her Sunday Night Football jam? Oh my God, it's so bad. (laughs) I just like the. I would love the idea of somebody going to Carrie Underwood concert and then like going to work the next day and like, oh that, how was the concert? Oh, it was amazing. It was really cool. Who opened for? That part was actually really weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was this guy who was dressed up as Elvis, but like instead of singing any songs, he just yelled about a hospital in Mississippi. I don't know. He talked about elbows (laughs) with barcodes on. Yeah, so weird. (laughs) But this claim is no laughing matter. This is a serious fraud. One day is all you have, Kevin. Just one day. That's the end of the letter. That's really creepy. And it's just like a picture on MySpace, right? It's just a doctored picture on MySpace he's talking about? Yeah. Okay. Curtis didn't take it down. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> Not one to let things go, Dusky invited him to his dojo to settle things the old-fashioned way. Kevin Curtis claimed to have gone to Taekwondo Plus, which, great name, buddy. <laughs> But Everett wasn't there. Everett obviously claimed the opposite because they're each five. <laughs> well, I showed up for the fight. Where were you? You weren't even there. I, I was there. <laughs> you weren't there. 
My mom drove me. Cash me outside. How about that? My mom <laughs> said that you can come over, but uh, she mom. has to call your mom, and your mom has to pick you up by midnight. Is that all right? <laughs> your mom said to come over, and we could settle things once and for all. <laughs> my mom my mom said that she can drop us off at the mall, but your mom has to pick us up. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a good placement for your favorite meme, the, what the fuck is up, Kevin? What, what the fuck is up? Set <laughs> the fuck up, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As a response, Dusky began his counterattack. Curtis claimed that Dusky was calling up venues where I'd perform saying, don't hire this guy, he's bad news, he's dangerous. As expected, however, Everett Dusky's creepy lyrics eventually caught up with him. In the fall of 2012, according to sworn testimony, school-age girls walking near Dusky's home were occasionally dazzled by the green beam of a laser pointer Glancing about for its source, the girls would spy Everett Dusky standing in a window, nude. When questioned about it, Dusky claims to be the victim in this situation by neighbors peeping into his windows. Bruh. Well, he just, he might as well put a spotlight on himself. Are you serious? <laughs> That's the most ridiculous why thing. Why is I've this ever drawing heard. so much attention? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're looking at me. Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> These are my bay windows. <laughs> You're invading my privacy. Uh, I actually would like that. I it probably was very traumatizing for these women. Oh yeah. So let's. Yeah. They probably got to school and was like, "Hey, did you see? I saw Dusty like, and the Robo Drum." Were <laughs> like, <laughs> they were like, "So I saw the screen laser pointer," and then like another girl would go, "Oh my god, did you look up?" Please oh tell me God. I didn't look was up. Imagine one of them was like a huge fan of Dusty and the Robo Drum. She's like, oh my God, you'll never guess. Who was pointing laser at me? Oh my God, it was. Oh, and then Dusty. I looked up and I saw Dusty and the Robo Drum's penis <laughs> just on his window. Oh my God. And I was like, come here, daddy. <laughs> I imagine him standing yeah. against the window. Like, guys. I imagine him doing like the helicopter. <laughs> guess who saw? The schwanz of Dusty from Dusty and the Robotron. <laughs> and has two. Yas Queen! <laughs> in January 2013, Dusky was sentenced to 90 days in jail for indecent exposure and ordered to pay a fine of $364. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. That's such a strange number. I know, right? 363? Not enough. 365? What is this guy made of money? <laughs> <laughs> No sooner had he filed his appeal than he was picked up on graver charges of molestation. Oh. At his dojo, he had improperly touched three girls under the age of 16. The police took him into custody in lieu of a $1 million bond. Oh, who would have seen this coming? It's not like he's saying a song about it or anything. Right. <laughs> Where's Kevin in all of this? I miss him. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Did you frame him? Laura asked an excited Kevin. No, but I wish I had. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin took to the internet posting links to the newspaper stories on Facebook. He's upgraded. Emailing prosecutors about the status of the case and posting, see you in court, on Dusky's YouTube pages. On February 21st, Dusky's attorneys got his bond reduced to 25K. He soon was out on bail, but Curtis's words stuck with him. For someone to take advantage of p- 
pain the way Curtis did, that's beyond me. This is a quote from Dusky. There's no honor in that. Any real man is going to defend the honor of his family. What? What? His on the honor of his family is fucking fine. I don't understand. On a Wednesday morning in April, Judge Sadie Holland of the Tupelo Justice Court was told to stop by to see the girl who picks up the mail, who explained that she had received a suspicious envelope in the mail with white powder in it. The powder was ricin. Awful ricin. <laughs> it was so impotent that 80-year-old Sadie Holland huffed it and had no ill effects. <laughs> why, why would she huff it? Because she was opening the thing and she, like... Oh, it's just accidental. Yeah. I thought she was like, well, I would like to go. Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> the envelope also contained a letter that read the following. No one wanted to listen to me before. There are still missing pieces. Maybe I have your attention now. Even if that means someone must die, this must stop. To see a wrong and not expose it is to become a silent partner to its continuance. I am KC and I approve this message. So it it looks and sounds like him, but if he was, yeah. Aside from Kevin Curtis's signature sign off and other clues such as missing pieces, name of his book. Uh, he also had every reason, to, honestly, to resent Sadie Holland. She had once sentenced Curtis to six months in jail for assaulting the rhythm guitar player for a double trouble gig, a man who Curtis claimed pulled a loaded pistol on him in a fit of drunken anger. <laughs> Even though the federales were convinced <laughs> Curtis was the perpetrator, one person doubted his guilt, Judge Sadie Holland. I never really once thought that Curtis sent it. If he had sent it, why would he have signed it off like that? Yeah. However, Holland does recall overseeing a case with a very arrogant person, quote, and the family of a Taekwondo student. She clearly believed Everett Dusky was the perp. Yeah. It makes sense if you would put all those clues in there to point towards somebody. Right. You, if it was you, you wouldn't put all these clues like, oh, I bet they'll never guess it's me. <laughs> Four days after Kevin Curtis was released from jail, the feds arrested Everett Dusky. Damning details included an interview with a witness who claimed to have heard Dusky bragging about his poison-making skills and his secret knowledge of a method for getting rid of people in office. Which, if you're covering your tracks, don't <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> Mensa members can't seem to shut up about no, what they're doing. Yeah. There is also the report of an FBI surveillance team who claimed that they watched Dusky carry a box for a coffee grinder. Everett doesn't drink coffee, according to Laura Curtis. A box of latex gloves, a dust mask, and a ricin-positive drain trap from his dojo to a dumpster down the street. I just sidebar. I love that it's all happening in a dojo. <laughs> yeah, that's really. <laughs> I can't imagine having a dojo. <laughs> you can't. I have one. You don't. You don't have one. Am I the only one here that doesn't have a? Do you, uh, have do a... you not have a Mensa card either? Uh, oh my god! You have to go. 
Yeah, you can't sit I've with never us. been so <laughs> taken down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> there was also a laptop document titled Standard Operating Procedure for Ricin, oh which my describes God. safe handling and storage methods for ricin. Buddy. Yeah, save I, that right to the desktop. Make it real easy. I also have that file on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> Name I it thought it came with the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I Mine put it on came. Craigslist in Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> there are also the eBay and PayPal records indicating that Dusky twice bought 50 red castor bean seeds, the primary ingredient in ricin. Hi, friends. We just want to take a minute to tell you about our new sponsor, Podcorn. Podcorn is responsible for most of the sponsors you hear about on our episodes, and they make it so easy for us to find and partner with companies we love. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. With Podcorn, there is no middleman, so podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform set their own rates and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities you never give up any rights to your podcast and podcorn is here to support you at every step to ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands the marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency creative freedom and full control of how and when we monetize if you're like us and you have a podcast that you want to monetize click the link in our show notes to sign up for podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today all right back to the show Lastly, there were text messages from Dusky's wife's phone days before his arrest with instructions to, quote, get a fire going because someone was, quote, coming over to burn some things. I will say, as I read this of all of the damning evidence, I remember thinking, it's still going? There was the eBay things. Also, there were text messages. Also, we caught him. <laughs> yeah, so where's his genius, really? Like, he, I mean... <laughs> You're always, like, one step ahead of the story here. I love it. Clearly, Everett's plan was so stupid that it seems like he wanted to get caught. One local theory. Everett was facing the possibility of 45 years for child molestation in Mississippi's Parchman Farm prison. That's okay. the prison there. Which has a history of not being too kind to people who are caught on charges of that. Yeah, I think a lot of prisons across America have that kind exactly. of standard. Exactly. Yeah. The theory was that Everett Dusky may have hit upon the, the ricin scheme here as uh, an option to get a gentler bid in a federal hooskow. Okay. However, one familiar face can be found at the epicenter of the aspirations as a shared enemy of both Kevin Curtis and Everett Dusky. Representative Steve Holland. Oh. I was thinking it was going to be Elvis, but <laughs> Along with being a public official and a quote machine, mm-hmm. Holland runs a funeral home with his mother, Judge Sadie Holland. Oh. Curtis believed that Holland had a role in the body parts conspiracy. 
the article that Wells Tower wrote has him going and visiting with with Steve Holland and going through a whole embalming process mm-hmm. while there. And I I decided that that didn't have much to do with the actual story, even though it was chef's kiss, gold <laughs> writing. Wells, if you're listening, I appreciate all of it. However, I got to read you uh, Holland's sales pitch when it comes to caskets. I bring him to this little 995 jobby right here. I say, okay, this will get you from point A to point B. Now water and worms will get in there. And if you read the scripture, it says ashes to ashes and dust to dust. And that's really what it's all about. What you're buying is $995 worth of dignity to keep me from tying a rope to your heels and pulling in the hole, which would accomplish the same thing. Then they'll come buy this shit over here. It's more expensive. Mm -hmm. And ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. 40 years I've been doing this, it's fucked. I mean, the funeral services are incredible. I love the services. But all this merchandising, pagan-ass, crazy, certified, lunatic, damn bullshit, it's so fucked. God bless America. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) God bless America. (laughs) Okay. So, obviously, Holland thought Curtis was a wackadoo, but his views on Dusky are a bit more nuanced i remember thinking initially that sorry son of a bitch but then he thinks had the letter sender really been smart and mixed the ingredients properly my mother could have been in her damn urn by now you know and i get pissed i get totally fucking pissed can we just say god bless steve holland in this whole story (laughs) Do you think it's so, warm inside of an urn? I'm gonna bypass that question. Like do you do you, so do senators and government officials from this area of America they can just speak like that? I guess so. That's incredible. These ones can apparently fuck a bull moose on the steps of the county courthouse and still I, get five percent vote. I'll tell you what. I agree with Tierney. I would actually enjoy seeing that. I don't yeah, know what Steve Go running rebels. Like that. that might be my kink. So like don't yuck, don't yuck my yum. <laughs> Things have been good for Kevin Curtis since the incident. Thank well, God. That's good. He is no longer only the nut job who wouldn't shut up about body parts. Now he's also the figurehead of an internet age cautionary tale. On Monday, May 19th, 2014, James Everett Dusky was sentenced to 25 years in prison. But before that, when asked if he would attend the trial, Kevin Curtis responded, I wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) But there wasn't a rush in his mind. Curtis claimed that one of his former jailers, with whom he became Facebook friends, that's nice. Told him that Dusky awaited trial in the very same cell where Kevin spent his week in custody. Aww. And it was so much sweeter for Kevin Curtis to imagine what Dusky must have felt on his first day in prison when he glanced at the wall next to the toilet and read the magic markered message left there. I am KC and I approve this cell. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's amazing. And that's the end of the story. Where's Moo Cow? 
<laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, Mukau is fine. You said he was fine, but... W- no. How I, do you know? Where how is he? How did you it, remember that it, bit? It, 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 you he, he's the dog. Yeah, it, but there was so much so much crazy shit happened since yes, the dog. I, I, that's true. There was so much crazy shit that I had to cut out some. Again, Wells Tower, if you're listening, thank you for getting this far. He's Go- not listening. Thank you, GQ. Little boy dream. <laughs> Go read his GQ article. It does outline that Mukau, in the end, is fine and happy and home and safe with Kevin Curtis. How did they get him home? I'm... Someone called him and I'm said, concerned. "Is this your moo cow?" <laughs> yeah, that's my moo cow. <laughs> I can tell that you're from Tupelo because we all have the same exact voice, and, I, and you have we have no. And we range. all name our dogs moo cow. <laughs> but that's that's the story of wow. That was crazy. Curtis versus Dusky. That was really crazy. Fuck you, Dusky. Yeah, yes. jail. He tried to kill Obama. How dare he? That's rude. Yeah. That and lasering at young girls. That's stupid. Lasering with a laser pointer and your penis. That's rude. Yeah. It's what rude. if he had a laser shooting <laughs> out of his penis? I want sharks with laser beams on their freaking head. I want Schwanzes with laser beams. Austin Powers? Yeah. All right. So do we want, do we have a caboose? Oh, hey, I got one. How long do you guys think it would take you guys to eat a whole grocery store? I have to eat everything in the store? Yeah. Wow. I mean, years, because yeah. I'm not going to eat the olives. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to eat them. I'll eat everything else in the mushrooms and the olives and the marinara sauce. It's all going to be sitting on a shelf together like, hello? You're going to have to mix them into something. Like what? Because you I don't can't know. leave the grocery store until you eat the grocery store. I will die in that grocery store. <laughs> I'll die before olives. <laughs> wow. Mushrooms uh, and no, marinara like sauce. You know, like I can, I can, I can do it. Olives. Uh, no, thank you. Okay. They're gross. You? And do you know how many jars of olives are in a grocery store? Probably. Yeah, like a lot. Wait, do we have to just eat what's stocked on the shelves, or like the whole stock room too? The whole grocery store. Oh, that's absolutely ridiculous. What if it, it all goes bad before I eat it? I'm not gonna eat okay, expired olives. Okay, well, you obviously olives. start with the perishables. Olives don't expire; they're in cans. I, I'd oh. say, I'd say, in this context, in, in this world, nothing would be perishing. Well, I think you could get through perishables, depending. Okay. You'd have to eat like no. full meals, full like three course meals all day. You know how hobbits have like first breakfast and second breakfast and then tea time and elevensies and lunch and Are you talking about hobbits or me? <laughs> <laughs> I guess either or. Really <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> um yeah. I, I for me it's gotta be at least a year. Oh, mine would be also years. I can't tell you how many years I would die in that grocery store. Yeah, I probably would also. I wouldn't be able to finish it. Another one was if you could have sex with one cartoon character, who would it be? Why, why are you looking at me like that? I don't know. I thought that you would have a really quick answer. I thought I would too. Oh. Uh, cartoon character. This should be really easy for me. I watch a lot of cartoons. So do I. What's yours? Yeah. It'd probably be... Is it Jessica Rabbit? No, that's the basic <laughs> answer. That's like the... the no, bar, I know, but it's not Saturdays like... Saturdays are for the boys It's not answer. necessarily wrong. No, my answer would be... Dot, the comments. girl animaniac. <laughs> <laughs> Ren or Stimpy. <laughs> you idiot. Um, maybe Gaston. 
Okay, mm. that's not a bad answer. I feel like he's kind of hot. Yeah. Or Shang. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. That's a good answer. So you went right Shang. for Disney. That's good. Yeah, uh, of course. You went right for the goofiest sex you possibly <laughs> could have. Well, this I, I can't even... I still haven't picked. I don't... <laughs> Um, you get double teamed by Wacko and Yakko. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'm Hello, so nurse. <laughs> um, I think mine would be. I don't know. I feel like I'd have a chill time with Diane from BoJack Horseman. Yeah, is she the cat? No, uh, she's the lady. Yeah, she's the lady. What owns the cat? Princess Carolyn. I would pick her. Would you rather <laughs> stand when everyone else is sitting, or sit when everyone else is standing? Stand when everyone else is sitting. I always like sitting. Me too. I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a sitter. But I would. I feel still can't pick a cartoon character, guys. I would feel more <laughs> uncomfortable if I was the only one sitting. If I, I just for standing. some reason assumed you agreed with the Yakko Wacko. Stuck on the yeah Yakko and Wacko. Nah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of one. Sven from Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Guys Sven. and Stimpy. All right. Bye, mom. All right. Bye, mom. Bull moose sneeze porn. (laughs) (laughs) Bowsette sneeze porn. I hate that that's a thing. Oh, I can't believe we Googled that. (laughs) Sneeze porn? Are the people naked when they sneeze? sneeze? No. I don't want to see it. They just sneeze. Oh, yeah. That's weird. All right. It's my kink. I think if they were naked, (laughs) there would be no sneeze porn. It's a cautionary tale <laughs> of fear and lust and pride based on actual events where people died. No one died. But how far could you go to be popular and hot? Would you resist temptation? No, you would not. Just admit it. Sometimes it is what you are. Mean is easier than nice. And the mean can take you far. Maybe this so will make you think <laughs> twice. I think if we just this left, she would have known. Yeah, the song. <laughs> she keep going. All right. And then she'd look up and be like, you can't buy integrity at the mall. It's not for sale. This is a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually great. All right.